0: This is Uniting Nations. It's a show that explores the intersection of nonviolence and the goals of the United Nations. I'm Anna Ikeda, and I co-host this show with Stephanie Van Hook of the Meta Center for Nonviolence. Today's guest is Ila Gandhi, our fellow board member of the Meta Center and granddaughter of Mahatma Gandhi.
1: My name is Ila Gandhi. I am from South Africa. I was born in Durban, South Africa, and I live here. I am a chairperson of the Gandhi Development Trust and Phoenix Settlement Trust, which takes care of the Gandhi property, which was established in South Africa. My aim is to promote non-violence and Gandhian ideals in the world. Not just Gandhi, but Gandhi, King, Mandela, and many other peace activists, and so on. And in the same way, I have joined the board of META and hopefully to promote peace and nonviolence through that organization as well. I also worked closely with Nonviolent Peace Force and other organizations.
0: Thank you. So, as you know, The United Nations has been observing International Day of Nonviolence on October 2nd, commemorating the birthday of your grandfather, Gandhiji. What does this mean for you?
1: So many things. I was uh, present at the time when the 2nd of October was declared Day of Nonviolence. It happened on the 100th anniversary of Satyagraha itself, which took place in 1906. And I think it was in 2006 that this day was declared as the International Day of Nonviolence. So for me, there are a number of things. Firstly, the recognition of Gandhiji's ideas at the international level. Secondly, in a world where there's so much of violence, the recognition of the importance of nonviolence. And thirdly, I think that even if it's just once a year, but at least if people begin to think that there is an alternative to violence, there might be some sort of influence on those who perpetrate violence. So in that hope, you know, I would welcome this uh, declaration of the 2nd of October as the International Day of Nonviolence.
0: Great. And related to that, what potential do you think nonviolence has for the United
1: Nations? Well, I think United Nations was creative because there was so much of violence and people wanted to prevent world war, you know, which had taken place At the time, just after the war that UN was created by the nations of the world. And that was because people saw the horror of war and felt that there is a possibility of having negotiations of having a settlement. And that possibility can only exist if there is a body that brings all the countries together. And that was the thinking behind UN. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked that well. But I think going forward, we need to look at how can UN become more powerful, become more able to actually bring about the peaceful resolutions of conflict that they are supposed to be doing. And so... I think we have to apply our minds, not on saying that UN is useless, but on seeing how can we empower UN to become more active and more able to bring about the peaceful solutions that it was created for.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, some people do say UN is ineffective and they dismiss its mission. So. What is the role of the UN, especially in the world today, where we face many complex interlinked challenges and so much violence?
1: So I think that, as has been said already, that UN was created to prevent violence. That was its roots. That was the purpose for UN. And one of the ways in which one can prevent violence is when we have a forum where we can sit and talk and resolve the violence. So I think that if we look at it from that perspective, the UN has a definite role. And therefore, to dismiss UN as an ineffective organization is I think it's not a wise thing to do. What we need to do is to see how can we make the institution more effective. If a school is crumbling, you don't say to hell with the school, we don't want a school. You have to see how can you give it better empowerment to teach better, to be able to impart education better. We can't throw away the facts that we need education. So the fact is that we need a body that is going to bring about peace, peaceful resolution in the world. We need a place where countries of the world can come together and talk, where countries of the world can also bring their problems and find some resolutions together in this forum. And that is the forum that UN should be and must be. And we need that forum. But what we also need is to empower that forum, to make it work better, and ensure that the reason for which it was created is being fulfilled. And that's our responsibility, our governments, and we as the people.
0: Do you have any suggestions or ideas for how to empower the UN?
1: Well, I think a very important thing is to bring down the UN to the level of the people. It is too far away from ordinary people, it only relates to sort of powerful countries and so on. And we have to. Now, begin to look at how can UN begin to relate to people, we the people, you know, that's what it talks about, we the people. Where are the people in the UN? And that's what we need to look at. How do we bring people, you know, civil society? How can it access to UN? How can we begin to make UN more effective?
0: And what can the UN do to support the power of nonviolence?
1: Well, I think there are lots of organizations like META, like the Nonviolent Peace Force organizations like that, which are trying to bring about peaceful solutions, looking at how can we prevent violence in the world. And if UN can begin to work with those organizations and use some of the effective mechanisms that those organizations have already experimented with and can make an input into the UN. So, as I said, UN needs to come down to the people's level. It just can't look at only governments, it has to look at civil society and civil society organizations. So these organizations, some of which I've talked about, but there are hundreds of them around the world who are operating in little places. And if all those organizations can be brought together by the UN, we can have a powerful mechanism to actually make the UN work better through the expertise that have been developed within these organizations listen to them see what they have found and you know begin to utilize some of the methods that they have used begin to look at things analyze things in the way they have analyzed not the way that governments analyze So, yeah, I think that that second level of work that hasn't been effective or effectively done by the UN needs to be now improved and more forceful.
0: And you have been such an important part of the voice of civil society at the UN, so we would love to hear what kind of work you are doing now that relates to the goals and agenda of the UN? Yeah,
1: well, I haven't related directly to the UN. I was there when this uh, day of Nonviolence was declared. I have worked with, you know, the Religions for Peace, through which I sometimes had some encounters with the UN. But I haven't directly worked with the UN. I know there are organizations like UNESCO and other UN bodies that one can work with, but I haven't actually worked there. I'm working more at a local level and trying to do things at a local level. But if there is a grouping, and I feel that the time is right now, when, as I said earlier, if the UN can help, to bring all the organizations that are working on peace together in one forum and create this energy around the world that uh, then looks at what is happening in different parts of the world and how can we help together to solve those problems so that we prevent violence and we prevent violent governments from continuing with their violence. Unfortunately, at the UN level, governments seem to have more power than the people. And I think that that has to change.
0: Wow, it's bringing truly the power of the people and nonviolence to the UN at such fundamental level.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Do you have any
1: concluding thoughts that you would
0: like to share? Well, uh, what I
1: would like to say is that at the moment, people are wary of too much of travel because of the climate constraints. You know, most people are saying that we should not have big conferences, that we shouldn't be moving around the globe as we do and so on. But at the same time, we should recognize that we have technology like this, you know, where we can get together through the medium of virtual meetings. And I think the UN should take an initiative to capture that now and to call up this meeting urgently with all the peace organizations and begin to look at the many pockets of violence that are happening around the world. And one of the things, big issues, is to diffuse all the atomic bombs around the world because those are a real threat to humanity. The threat to the nuclear weapons, you know. Have to be those places where they, they manufacture this has to be closed down. And UN has the power. They can do it. And we have the power of humanity. We, most people, want it in every country. I mean, you have the group in uh, Japan. People in Japan have talked about Hiroshima time and again. And they are survivors who have spoken out. The ICANN conference that took place. And uh, we have to promote that and make it more powerful. So that's my uh, take on it. Unless we do that at the UN level, UN will remain in the hands of the Security Council, which does nothing. It only impedes progress towards peace. It impedes that progress rather than
0: helps it. The theme of reforming the UN and especially Security Council has came up quite a bit with other guests too. But what I'm taking away is, yes, we really have to bring that power of the people to the UN, you know, just like we are able to transform our communities and countries, perhaps it's through the power of nonviolence that we can also transform the UN. So that's really powerful. And you continue to do such an important work.